Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And we're on a different angle talking today. I know, this is weird. We're both <laughs> sitting on the same side of the table. I don't think it's going to affect the dynamics of what we talk about. Uh, look, I feel like this one has a whole different dynamic anyway. We're in a much bigger space than we're normally in. Yeah. Um, we, were, we were in the spare room of your yep. hotel. Yeah. So we needed... <laughs> we were jammed <laughs> next to the bed. <laughs> And now we actually, we genuinely do have a view of Melbourne you know, and it looks like Gotham City yeah, at night. You know what I always want to do when I come to a hotel when you have this view is when someone walks in the room, I want to be gazing out over the city with my hands folded behind my back. Yeah. And then when I walk in, I just look over my shoulder and go, I own this town. It was like a Batman, this apartment essentially, because it's 10 floors up. It's like Batman couldn't be asked going right to the top of the yeah. building. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I rented a place on the 10th floor. Look, to be honest, the view from the balcony is pretty much the same as on top of the building. So yeah. it's practical. I can, I can still see the streets. Yeah. I've always uh, had a problem with that as a superhero thing. In fact, it shits me because it's become the superhero de rigueur thing in a movie. There's always a scene where the superhero is standing on top of a, a building. Rooftop. Yeah. Surveying yeah. the danger. How far can you fucking see? Like, unless you've got super, your Superman who has, like, super sight. Yeah. Like, Batman's just an ordinary guy. But I think... In like, the, he can't see anything. He can't even see most of the ground floor. It's not like you can see all the crime in the city from there. No, but he probably... It's impractical. He, He'd be better off in a basement with a police scanner. But I think he has that. And Batman has, like, built into his cowl. He has, like, a radio transmitter. Yeah, no, I get that Batman could probably do it wherever he is. But and, it seems and, unnecessary and, to stand on well, top the, of a building. No, no, I mean, seriously, the, the two who really stand on the buildings are Daredevil and Batman, right? They're yeah. the most stand-up building standards. Oh, uh, it's become a real, like, I know, you know it's a real one, but, like... Now, now everyone stands on top of a building. The, the controlling the bad, like, the, the bad city. It's, yeah. it's, it's mainly... Or Spider-Man as well. Yeah, Spider-Man. Oh, he swings, you know, So from I would argue that those three guys... Batman has a radio transmitter. Yeah. He does. It's, they've done it in... Bat- yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool with that. Okay. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But, that, but if you've got the, a radio transmitter, yeah. you can be at Starbucks. No, but I think... You the, can be wherever. I think the, you've I, just got to be ready to go. In fact, it'd be better yeah, if, if you're getting, closer if you're, to you, the Batmobile. If you're getting your coffee when yeah. all of a sudden, like, the Joker's got hostages at the bank... Like, isn't it better that you sort of can... That you're on a roof? No, that you can move in 360 degrees. Like, when you're on that roof, he can take off in any single direction. So you're saying that roof is the... If he's in Starbucks, he has to pay for his coffee, (laughs) wait for them to make it, wait for them to call out his name, Batman. I feel it would be unnecessary for Batman to wait around for his coffee. (laughs) Like, he is a billionaire playboy. I think that he could go, you know what? Crime calls. Yeah. I'll get that coffee later and someone could have a free coffee under the name Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I'm not saying he's necessarily at Starbucks. I'm just saying that it seems like unless that city is has been calculated, that building has been calculated as the actual epicenter whereby crime. it's easier to get to most crimes from that position, then I understand that. Yeah. But I reckon that's what they would work out. I reckon no, Batman. they're just standing on top of tall buildings because it looks good in the shadows. <laughs> that's what it is. It's all fucking... Well, that's another thing as well. It's artifice. That's, it's pretense. Yeah, but that's part of it. I mean, isn't Batman's whole thing about creating fear? Like, he's, you know, he wants to strike fear into criminals before like, you know, he attacks them, so he's a symbol. Oh, you know what? I'm not really having a crack at Batman. I feel like well, Batman. Why would you? <laughs> no, well, exactly. Like have a crack at that fictional character. Yeah, but but no, I think Batman's the one who probably can justify it. Yeah. I'm saying that everybody else has yeah, ripped yeah. off Batman. Yeah. Batman does it for a practical reason. Yeah. When the and then everybody else is like, oh, that looked really cool yeah. when Batman did that, so yeah. I'm going to do that. That's exactly right. When the Fantastic Four meet on a building top in New York, you're yeah. like, why? Why? <laughs> you guys don't need You to. guys have got an office. You've got the really heavy guy as yeah. well. That's really dangerous. You guys have actually got an organisation. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, you have a meeting room. Yeah, you've got a meeting room. And it's fucking decked out to the shit. Yeah, that's true. Like, why are you meeting on a rooftop? Because it's just cool. Yeah. yeah. But even then, like, it's like, uh, what, how have you got up there? Have you flown up there? Or have you gone up in the lift? Like, does Batman jog up the stairs? I always Like, how has Batman got onto the top of that roof? I, I imagine Batman always uh, uses his grappling hook. Right. 
That's how to I, get up there. To get up. Seems like a pain in the ass. Like that's another thing. He's, really? he's expended all that energy previous to having to go and fight a crime. <laughs> so you reckon when he gets to the top that of the roof, he's relaxed. hunched over. Yeah. Like, just, oh it's my like, God. oh, fuck you, Joker. I've got a stitch. As soon as he gets to the top, he gets to hear the scream just where he came from. He's like, come on. If I only came I was, from down there. If only I was at Starbucks. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I do actually feel like, okay, if two crimes are happening at the same time, which would yeah. happen in Gotham, yeah. does Batman prioritise crimes based on whether he can, which one he can get to first, or does he prioritize the crimes based on which is the more severe crime? Like uh, if, if there was someone getting mugged just below the building, it's a gang rape two blocks away. Yeah, I, I reckon he'd go for the gang rape. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because I think I, you know, you so know, the person who get mugged and he wouldn't care. Well, uh, I think he's Batman. I reckon he'd have a crack at both. Like I reckon it might be Batarang down to the alley mm. as he swings off towards the gang rape. Okay, but you know, okay, yeah, I understand. Has there ever been a gang rape in any Batman? I don't comic think book. so. Can't I think it would, it would have to be more comical than that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Like somebody would have let's, had let's the Joker this. would have had to release like some sort of uh, you know uh, into the water yeah. that made everyone want to make love with each other. Yeah, and so like there would be and some, then they'd die. There'd be mass orgies around the city, like breaking out, and Batman would have to go and break them up. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's the serious crime. Yeah, there's someone getting mugged. Yeah, um, and he can't make it to both. Well, what's what happens in in Dark Knight? He has to save. Uh, there's two people going to die, and he just chooses to go the girl he loves. Yeah. So maybe so he's probably going to the gang rape. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, but, but I think Batman's whole thing is also. Like if you if you were defending your house, let's say like an apocalyptic situation happened, uh-huh. and you felt there was danger all around you, the roof is not a bad place to go because you do have that three hundred and sixty degree, three hundred sixty oh, degrees of no doubt. If Batman or any other superhero is standing on a building, yeah. and that building was the place that all the bad guys were trying to attack. I have absolutely no issue with you standing on top of that building. No, no, but maybe it's not the epicenter of all crime. But you would just say you have seventeen buildings around Gotham City. That you know, you'd work like like a police do a patrol. They'll drive through, you know. So he goes from rooftop to rooftop and gives it like an hour. Haven't seen anything. Move to the next. Is that what, what happens if nothing happens? Like, does he just stand up there? It's really how fucking boring just, must that be? He looks for like some, a jaywalker. Yeah, the most does arbitrary he? crime. Does he yeah. start to like? It's uh, like a bouncer. You know, they get all fucking juiced up on yeah. speed and they just want someone to kind of like you know give them shit so they got an excuse to throw some. Batman's just going around giving people parking tickets yeah. on really quiet nights in Gotham. Well, maybe that's the case because otherwise, because you know how boring it is even in this day of the short attention span. If you have to sit around like waiting for a bus or if you have to sit around waiting for something to start, if you don't have like Twitter or a computer game or like you can listen to your... So does Batman occasionally turn off the police scanner and just like tune into some AM radio? Start ringing in on issues? Yeah. So it's like... I think uh, there are too many immigrants in this country. Look at call from Gotham City. I am. (laughs) I would just like to say the crime... Is a disease. <laughs> Actually, we were talking about where the weirdest places you've had sex is, Batman. <laughs> Don't answer me! <laughs> Rachel! Um, did you find it weird that Batman has a speech impediment in The Dark Knight? Well, uh, you mean that Christian Bale has a speech impediment? Well, or yeah, the, the, same thing. The, so you, you're saying that because he has a speech impediment in real life, you think it's weird that Batman has a speech impediment? Yeah, like, I mean, if, you, if you're trying to conceal your identity, right. speech impediment... It's probably one of the But he changes his he changes his voice. Well, he changes the pitch of it, but he's still got the speech impediment. And yeah, what, but and I don't it, think people are it's like... Kind of, it's a lisp, isn't it? It's got, I can't quite work out... He's got out. a slight lisp. Slight lisp. Yeah, a, sil- a sibilance or whatever they call it. 
Harvey Dent, can we trust him? Yeah, that's what it sounds like, isn't it? <laughs> well, he's can not. We tr- trust it's not. It's not suffering succotash. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's not that bad. But it is quite a distinct lisp. And he also yeah, but it's a, like, it's very different to his Bruce Wayne voice. But there's two things about Christian. That's why he changes his voice because he's got the lisp. I reckon that's part of it. Yeah, not well to disguise the lisp. Well, I, I think because if he had, he had the exact same lisp in both, then people would be like, "Oh, what's clear that guy with a lisp?" I reckon. I reckon Michael Keaton is the first guy to pioneer the idea that Batman has two voices. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was ever written in the comic book that Batman changes his voice. They didn't write it in that spooky, wobbly writing that, you know... No, that's Someone's true. using a... No, no, I think that is a modern interpretation. But that was Michael Kett. I think he was the, the right. first one. I, and a lot of people had a tr- a trouble with it in the new Batman films. They yeah. didn't like the voice. And well, it was the longest speeches. Yeah. Like, I haven't... I it's good in voice. short speeches, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Don't do Hamlet's soliloquy. You know, because it is just voice. meant to be like, I'm Batman, die! Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. sort of voice. It's not meant to, to be... To be or not to be, <laughs> that is a question. <laughs> I mean it's a good point yeah. but you know what that's the thing but it does seem like the sort of thing that you know what and it makes sense to me that Batman might have a lisp yeah. because not only that's he's... why he's so angry well not the only reason but you know what I mean like when somebody's got something that they've had to struggle against yeah. the idea of dressing up as another character and disguising that voice you know it, it gives a little bit more like a you know it can't just all be about the fact that he saw his parents got shot well, I was going to say, that's a pretty strong motivation. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm saying that's the that's major motivation. Yeah. But that's not going to be the only issue that Bruce Wayne has faced in all that time. Well, yeah. And you could also argue that maybe when he was 16, like some girl turned him down for a date. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he hit the gym. Some teacher told him, you'd be like, you'll never grow up and fight crime. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to prove her wrong. You will never dress like a bat and become a vigilante. You fucking, you don't know anything about me. There's another thing about Christian Bale that I thought doesn't fit in with the Batman wanting to disguise himself thing is he has a mole just there. Have you noticed? No. It's like a little mole or some kind of skin blemish. I think it's it's just inside his eye on the left side of the right side near his nose. Very distinctive physical marking, which isn't concealed by the Batman mask. He puts the black makeup over it, yeah. but he still has this little kind of mole. Or, or I don't think people are looking that closely. They're not getting up I, that close. Because no, I, I often think... He's often in the shadows if and I, in the dark. If I knew Bruce Wayne and then I met Batman, I reckon I'd be able to pick it. Like if you, for instance, like just one night I'm out in an alleyway and I'm getting mugged and, you know, this guy drops from the fucking... He's all dressed in black with a mask and he's doing this voice, but it was you. I still reckon I'd know it was you. Even if you only had your just your mouth showing like Batman. I would just know it was you. Yeah, because like I'd be listening to the Bulldogs on the footy <laughs> yeah. getting really disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping halfway through the fight. I'd be like, hey, Charlie, I'm Batman now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't no, you think? Oh, no, I think you, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you recognise your friends when they, like, I've grown a beard, for instance. Mm. So a lot of my friends haven't seen me for a while. And they, last night when they saw me, they were like, oh, straight away, even though I look remarkably different when they last saw me. But, yeah. You know, I mean. But I, I mean, Batman has gone a little bit further than just growing a beard. <laughs> like, that would be. Like, I mean, the Superman was, one was, I guess, the one that. I, I know there was an explanation. Yeah, that he'd hypnotise people. Yeah. But it never quite made sense, that one, does it? Because essentially all he did was put on glasses. <laughs> no, but the idea was that um, with the glasses that he would... Like a Jedi, yeah. It was like a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, no, I understand that they yeah. came up with some sort of explanation. Yeah. But it was... Of all the Superman mythology, I thought the idea that people couldn't tell that Clark Kent and Superman oh, were yeah, the same yeah, person yeah, was the probably the weakest link of it. Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of the other stuff, you're like, yeah, he's come from another planet and the sun gives him like super speed and super hearing and stuff. That all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the but why do people not recognise him when he puts on glasses? <laughs> they did. I remember when they made Lois and Clark, um, you know, the Dean yeah. Payne one. And when he was Clark, he had like floppy, foppish hair. And then he, when he was Superman, he had <laughs> slicked back gelled hair. 
And like he did that thing where he'd run to the phone booth and he'd come back, you know, and he'd be Superman. It's like, at what point did he put super gel yeah. on his hands and run it through his hair and yeah. slick it back so he looked like a 1920s gangster? And how, how much time did he spend on the hair? Well, if like I know he's got super, super speed, speed yeah. but you know what? Like if you do your hair too quickly, sometimes it doesn't work out how you want it to work out. <laughs> so you're going to be you know? real rush. So like if you rush, you get into the like, uniform really quickly, in a rush. and then you're like, psh, like and you're like, oh no, it's, it's all like, sticking up and yeah, it's out on one it's angle. Like, it's like when you've had to go out of the shower too yeah. quick and your hair's too wet, and you put the product in too early and it doesn't do, do anything, then it starts to flatten down. You got to dry it again. Yeah. And he's really rushed, and, and there might be scenes where like it, you, you realize he's put kind of all the gel at the front, and he's like puffy at the back or something like that. Well, the worst thing for him is he puts the gel in, then he takes off. He just gets that wind-blown kind yeah. of hair, you know? It's like when you ride a bike or something, a motorbike, after just doing your hair. It does seem a weird a- a- affectation. Like when you're off to fight a horrible, serious crime, even when you have super speed, that you take a little bit of extra time to do your hair. Yeah, not really prioritising, you know, the, the race that you've sworn to protect. No, it's like, hey, 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 if I'm going out and if I'm going to get photos done... I, you know what? I actually thought this recently because I was in uh, Sydney and I was um, interviewing Russell Brand. And he was coming in for this big press conference, right? So I was kind of just hosting the press conference. Yeah. And um, uh, he came in and uh, so I would be sitting, all the journalists were out in the audience. Uh, he was going to go through a sort of, you know, banner for the movie he was promoting. Everyone was going to take like photos. Like footy? Like run through a banner? No, not run through a banner. Oh. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Imagine that. Oh, if, you got, if you got rich enough that you ran through a banner, <laughs> that would get on all the news. I love that. If you put the advertising for the movie, yeah. particularly for a movie like... Um, Thor yeah. or the Hulk. Yeah, Can yeah. you imagine Thor and then like and then Chris Hemsworth like with a hammer yeah. smashes through the banner? Totally, that's awesome. That's a great idea. I'm, they, I'm sure they did that when uh, Andrew Bogut uh, was drafted number one by the Timberwolves. The bogey man? Yeah, do you remember that? i never seen a more uncomfortable looking number one draft recruit because they obviously, Nike, whoever uh, signed him up, Said we need it. we need something catchy. Bogat, Bogat, Bogeyman. Yeah. And so they do all this like spooky music and dry ice and lasers and stuff. And it's like here's the Bogeyman. And Andrew Bogat just walks out looking at his shoes like. I read this article about him recently because they, it was that thing where they tried to give him a nickname, and he was talking about the fact that you know you, it tries to be a cool nickname, mm. uh, and you know like LeBron, LeBron James is the king. And uh, Kobe is the Black Mamba. I don't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's why those ads were made. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Black Mamba, which always seems like a real affectation. No one's ever called a guy just like, you know, you might might call you Chevy or Clorso or something like that, right? But no one's ever gone, hey, it's the The Black Mamba. Hey, the Black Mamba. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not a a real nickname. That's one he's given himself. Yeah, definitely. Like the Bogeyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Andrew Bogan was saying that the only two nicknames he really had when he was growing up were Andrew Bogan uh, and Andrew Yogurt. Yeah. So, <laughs> neither of which are anywhere near I, as cool as the Bogey man. Yogurt would have been great. Yeah. The Yogurt's a great name. I mean, I'd like to see a professional athlete called the, athlete called the Yogurt. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about before that? Oh, so Russell Brand. Russell Brand, He yeah. didn't have to run through a banner. They had one of those banners in the background so that when all the photographers would take their photos, yeah. the advertising of the movie would be in the background. Then he was going to come in and we were going to have this chat about the movie. So he's come up the stairs, like just before this is about to start. And he just flown in the country, you know, so it was really just he was going to come in, we were going to say day, and then he was going to go to the cameras, yeah. basically. And he's got up the stairs, we said a quick day, And then he had five other people with him, right? He had his bodyguard... 
He's a bodyguard. Yeah, he's a bodyguard and he's fucking big too. Oh, right. Like he was wearing a pink shirt, but he was like about seven foot tall. Does your bodyguard travel with you from country to country or do you pick up a new bodyguard in every country? Well, I think some people pick up a new bodyguard in other yeah, countries, but makes... no, no, he's got his own bodyguard. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow, it's an English geezer. Yeah. And he, um, I met him in LA when I interviewed him, same guy, yeah. and then he travels with him. Does he look like sort of like a beefed up Jason Statham or something like that? He, no, he, he looks like a character out of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, right. Like, like any character. He's a bad. Yeah. Has he got gold jewelry and shit? No, but he was wearing a pink shirt. Bald, shaved head. Yeah, kind of like very cropped hair and that sort of face that looks like it's been punched a lot already. Yeah, right. You know? scary. Just a scary looking dude. Yeah, right. But a good sense of humour, like really a fun guy. So maybe just like a guy he likes to hang around with who, who also could punch the shit out of people if he needed to. Sure, sure. Who, who doesn't want to make yeah, like I was that? I say, I wish I had a friend like that. Well, basically, I think that came out of, you know, he had that trouble at the airport where people would try to, oh, yeah, Russell Brand had one of those like, you know, cameramen trying to go up Katy Perry's dress or whatever and he pushed them away and like the guy oh, tried right. to yeah, okay. you know, charge him or whatever. So now he's got... Someone yeah. else to break the guy's Lock, stock and two smoking pink t-shirts to fucking <laughs> punch the shit out of cameraman. Yeah, right. So he's got him. Then he's got, I guess, his publicist. Then he's got a stylist and a makeup artist. Uh, with him. Who travel with him. They're like his teams. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's taken a moment where they put him in a different shirt and tie. They uh, they adjusted like his hair and stuff how it was meant to be. They did makeup for him, and I there was part of me that was like, well, of course he's just about to get his photo taken, you know, a thousand times by all these different news outlets. It's going to be everywhere. Yeah. You want to look Your best. cool and stylish, yeah. but I was just like, oh my god, can you imagine like having to tour around? With that many people all the time. Yeah. Like, I go down the shops in my tracksuit pants with no shoes on yeah. all the time. So and that's re- how I like it. But do you reckon that is his manager or his agent? Uh, uh, like, when you... I mean, he's on a press junket. So who is... I mean, obviously, promoting the film, they, you know, the studio's putting a lot of money into it. Are they paying for the publicist? Because who does that... Where does that lie? The responsibility with making sure he looks good and all that kind of stuff. Who's the, in your posse? Um, I guess you could probably like get some of it written into your contract because you hear people yeah. talk about but when they're doing a movie they can have like you but know who's, what I mean is who's it a priority for? for is it a Russell's priority or is it the studio's priority? Both. Yeah, right. I would say, but I would say Russell's because it's like it's his image, right? You know, yeah. it's his face that's going to be out there. He's going to be the guy who opens up the magazines and sees himself going, "Oh, you look old," or "Why were you?" You know, "Oh, your beard wasn't quite right," or "That's a stupid shirt," or, yeah. or whatever. It's kind of amazing when you actually put it like that because I often brush past those photos in magazines and the papers and stuff of people at premieres and things like that. But an awful lot of effort has gone into it. Because I probably would notice if they looked really shit. You know yeah. What I mean? Well, if you look really shit, you, those you, po- those you're the front cover of New Weekly, yeah, yeah. and suddenly it's like uh-huh. stars are fat. Yeah, that's right. We hate fat people, and then next week it's like they're anorexia shame. So just say like hypothetically, mm. you know, um, your next uh, foray to the states makes you a huge superstar. Judd Apatow puts you in a film. You become a Russell Brand type celebrity that big. Can you see yourself? Having an entourage? No, that's the thing. I, I genuinely had that thought about it where I was like, that's not something I don't think I would feel comfortable with. Yeah. I might like pay my mates to hang around. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. But how do you... Like, ever- like entourage the show. Yeah. yeah. How do you actually pitch that to your mates? Like, because, you know, that would be an insult to some of my mates. The ones like who do invited? No, I mean the ones who actually have like legitimate lives and jobs of their own. Yeah, right. But you're like, look, I am now so successful <laughs> that your life has... Your life and career and everything you've worked for is insignificant (laughs) to the idea that just hanging around with me would be better. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would be a hard thing to pitch to someone. Like, if I wanted to ring you up and go, dude, like... I think if you're in an an age 
Like if you're in your 20s when that happens, it makes much more sense because your friends are your family. And they don't have anything to do. Yeah, but I think as you get older, like... You know, people start getting their own families and, you know, you, you get much more selective. And you don't, It's tough you, to put a, t- together an entourage in your late 30s, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if I was going to have an entourage, I would have had to lock it in a lot earlier than that. Yeah, now. I guess, well, look, when Clooney, what, Clooney got famous around about his early 30s, like, yep. you know, ER fame. And so he started putting together his entourage around his mid-30s, I guess. Yeah. But that's kind of, he was that's right it. at the tail end. Yeah. Wasn't he? You could have a classy entourage. I mean, and he doesn't really He's got a classy entourage. entourage. He, he has famous friends. I assume his life is much like the movie Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I just imagine he wears suits yeah. all the time, everywhere. And he just gets cool people together to do cool things. Yeah, that's right. Like make the movie Ocean's and Eleven. always drinking whiskey. Yeah. I, I imagine that's pretty much the same. Uh, fucking motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's weird that um, I suppose like superheroes can't have him. Oh, I just called him a motherfucker. I actually really like George Clooney. I'll yeah, take, I'll take that back, George. But you're jealous of his success. No, are you jealous? Uh, no, no. Not jealous. There's certain celebrities where it seemed like a you're fall- happy for them. Well, it's a foregone conclusion with a guy like that. Like yeah. he seems charming, smart, and funny. Of course, he's going to be a star. Like I can't begrudge what it makes sense. It's the ones who you go, how the fuck is that person working that you that you begrudge? But, Anyone in particular? Like, is there a Hollywood superstar that I you look thought, at and just think, what the I, fuck? I, I've always thought it's going to be amazing that when Kim Basinger dies, it's going to be Oscar winner Kim Basinger. Like, that, to me, is just like, how did that happen? Like, how did she get through the cracks where she's an Oscar winner now? Oh, like, pretty much all these people we've mentioned have appeared in Batman films. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Brand is about the only one who hasn't made it into a Batman film yet. There you go, Christopher Nolan. Russell Brand, in, Russell Brand actually, in the, he must be spewing. Because if he's a Batman fan, because in the old days of Batman, previous to the Christopher Nolan era, a Russell Brand would be the guy everyone would be talking about as being some sort of Batman villain. villain yeah, you know how it's always yeah, it's always the kind of big cartoonish you know, person du jour. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he is that person at the moment. Yeah. You could see him being some well, someone, Batman villain. Someone talked about him being in a remake of Drop Dead Fred, and I don't know if that's actually a real project or if someone just said hey and I thought ah uh, yeah like that makes complete sense yeah. like if I was a studio I'd go yeah I mean I don't know how well the first Drop Dead Fred did but he seems to be the Rick Mail of yeah. 2011 I'm not sure there's a lot of Drop Dead uh, Fred fans waiting <laughs> I, I don't think people will be offended as offended DDFs by the uh, the remake because some people are very very offended by the remake of Arthur because yeah, I was just like it's a perfect movie why would you take one of the greatest comedians of all time and try to remake what he did yeah. a lot of people got pissed off when Steve Martin who's one of the most respected comedians of all time did the Pink yeah, Panther yeah, movies yeah. because they were just like why would you want to improve on something like that yeah. I think that he'd probably get away with Drop Dead Fred yeah. You know, yeah. I think there would be some backlash, but I think that people would be like, I don't yeah, think yeah. Drop, Drop Dead Fred was big enough <laughs> yeah. that people have this like sentimental attachment to yeah, the that's movie. Right. You should Drop be able to, Dead Fred. You should be able to remake stuff if if it, if it uh, you know was only like half fake the first time, and they do that all the time. Like, uh, oh, I'm not going to think of a film now, but um, like even with Dawn of the Dead when they remade that, people said that's untouchable. You know, yeah. and the original Dawn of the Dead is amazing, but it's old and clunky, and when you watch it, like I mean, I've showed it to friends who laugh at it because it seems so lame and dumb. But then what Zack Snyder did with it was just soup it up and made it really exciting. And it's, I mean, it's nowhere, it doesn't have the same kind of like social commentary or anything like that. But I still reckon the remake of Dawn of the Dead's really good. It's better to remake a, almost a bad movie or an iconic movie that was made badly yeah. than it is to remake, you know, something that was genuinely successful in its own right. Yeah. Like that's what I found with like, you know, for example, that you know how they made, uh, remade Death at a Funeral. 
yeah. with every black American actor. Yeah, yeah. They made the black death and at a ja- funeral. And James Marsden. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, why would you remake Death at a Funeral? That yeah. movie was so perfectly made for what it was, mm. and it was the little movie that could. Yeah. You know, you were never going to make a better version of that movie. Yeah. That was a movie that was so good, it succeeded despite the fact that nobody knew who any of the people in it were. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knew like about the, the movie. Commitments or like yeah, totally. Films. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're not the ones you remake. No. They've already, you know... But is it though, but, but they remade it for like a black audience, presumably. Mm. Like that's what they did, wasn't it? Through Ice Cube's company or, or something like that? Yeah. I wasn't the type. It was one of those. One of the, yeah. yeah. But that, see, I don't mind that. Like that makes sense to me. It's like remaking The Grudge or The Ring or, or something like that. Like that to me... I'm not sure it is quite like that because they were in a different language. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do find it a bit weird that, like, we still live in a world where you're like, let's remake this for a black audience. Like, they're black Americans. Yeah. They weren't making it for people in, like, you know, Africa who didn't speak English. I suppose. They, they were making it for, you know, Americans. Yeah, I guess. But uh, Death at a Funeral was Like, you wouldn't remake the colour purple for white people. Death at a Funeral was English, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, but that makes sense. Like, they remake Aussie TV shows. They did the remake of Captain Kim, remake of The Office, remake... I understand that. I think culturally, it's a shorthand. I mean, I don't... People, because I'm... I think... I mean, we have talked about this before. <laughs> it's a catchphrase. But um, I don't have a huge problem. Like, everyone's like, oh, more sequels, more prequels, get an original idea. But the fact is, like, we retell the same stories again and again and again. Like, even Star Wars is a remake of an old Asia, uh, Asian film, um, The Hidden Fortress, you know? And they're before... Even when the cinema started, they made, like, 12 Sherlock Holmes films. Like, it's... It's not like a recent thing that we're making prequels and sequels. Like that's what we've been doing for generations. The same stories have been told again and again and again. Like we. Yeah, although I think there's a difference between um, uh, making a sequel to something, Mm. which is rehashing the same idea as you saw in the last film, uh, and retelling. You know, I mean, what? Yeah, they. What do they say? There's six. Yeah, there's six stories Stories, or whatever there is in the world, and and everything is a version of those six stories. So I get that. But at least, you know, give people different names. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, We'll call this one uh, Jomeo and Juliet. Uh, It's about Starcross Lovers. Well, I think you'll find there was Nomeo and Juliet that came out. Remember the gnomes? Did you not see this? It's an anim- oh, yeah, it was yeah, a- it's the English one. Yeah, yeah, yeah an yeah. animated film, and it was uh, created by Elton John's husband. Who's that? Oh, whatever his name. Well, I don't know why I whispered in case. Yeah. <laughs> Who is he? Him. Is he here? Who's that? Is, is, he, is he listening? Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to say his name's like David Furness or something like that, but I'm not even sure if that's true. Deborah Deborah Lee Furness. Yeah, Elton John's... Oh, yeah, Deborah, the guy yeah. married to the gay guy. Deborah yeah, Lee- oh, Deborah Lee Furness. No, I... Yeah, so they made Nomi on Julia, and that was his idea, but... And I'm pretty sure that idea was this. No, Mio and Juliet. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a famous story about that movie, um, Twins, you know, the Arnie uh, yeah. DeVito one, or apparently the entire pitch, pitch. was someone said DeVito, Schwarzenegger, Twins. Yeah. Know? And I reckon that's a great idea. Like, that does immediately, I mean, that's good advertising. It's a great pitch. Great pitch. It's a great pitch because you immediately understand the movie. Romeo and, and Juliet knows. Yeah. Doesn't quite. <laughs> As you write that movie, it would all come out of that premise. Yeah. Like, I, I would love to see a remake of Twins. Like, I would love to see somebody oh, remake the movie Twins, yeah. but with actual twins, but keep the, scri- <laughs> keep the script exactly the same as it is. So, like, a word for word you know what? That, 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 that would remake, become, but with actual that's twins. That's a great idea. Yeah. That would become, I think that would be like a real sort of melancholy indie film. Yeah, it could. Because the whole right? film is about uh, Danny DeVito. Uh, having a problem with, you know, always being the runt of the litter yeah. and his brother getting all the advantages in the world and he was always the bad guy. So if you have two identical twins, 
but just one of them feels like his brother got the advantages. That's a fucking great yeah. film. That's like a Sundance winning totally. fucking film. Just remake twins, but with twins. Yeah, but, but make it with, with just like no irony. It's just, it's serious. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. It's kind of like what they do, you know, we've talked about um, the Garfield cartoons where they remove Garfield. So it's just John talking to himself. Well, they, they did a nice thing online and this is what the internet is all about. Uh, someone recut uh, Ferris Bueller, the trailer yeah. to Ferris Bueller as an indie flick. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny. And, and I feel that this is, you know, the, the real use of the internet. <laughs> is that people can waste their that time doing things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I am... Um, yeah, I think it would be really funny. And like I said, c- keep the script exactly the same. Um, but yeah, play it like in an indie way. Yeah, yeah. That's you a know, great idea. Completely different story. I reckon that's such a good idea. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> how, if that would be possible to get the rights for it. I mean... Well, it's a good pitch too. You could go into like a, <laughs> you know, an office and go, you know the movie Twins? Yeah. We remake it, but with Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. No, it's the second greatest pitch in history. You need to go in and go, Steve Waugh, Mark Waugh, War, Twins. twins. <laughs> and the guy's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, twins. <laughs> <laughs> it can totally work. Remake the movie Twins as like a gritty, uh, you know, indie film starring Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, totally as their big sort of comeback edgy <laughs> crossover film. Love it. Oh, who, who directed that? Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman, genius. Yeah, genius. Yeah, as Tony Martin would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah what happened to Ivan Reitman? It's kind of it's, uh, it's sort of weird how guys lose their mojo. No, I can tell you what happened to Ivan Reitman. What, did um, something happen to Ivan Reitman? No, I, I um, have uh, I have met with, uh, not with Ivan Reitman, but with his uh, you know production company. Yeah. And he runs this... Um, Is it What's it called? Does it have some kind of pun, like the Reitman stuff or something like that? Oh, yeah, right. The right men for the job. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, uh, no, I can't. Uh, off the top of my head, it, it yeah. doesn't Two occur to me. don't make a Reitman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I met with them, and they have a. Uh, they make a lot of films still. They yeah. they make and and they do all uh, Jason Reitman's yeah. films. Uh, do you know Jason Reitman? Yeah, yeah. Uh, up in the air. You know, he's made a lot of really successful films. And they, yeah, thank you for smoking, which is one of the great films of all film. time. I love that film. Yeah, and. Uh, and so they do a lot of his stuff, but they also um, they have this amazing slush fund. They've got a first look deal with one of the big, you know, studios. But they also have it's a lot of old guys, older Hollywood guys who are interested in making making creative projects. Okay. So they've put together also their own slush fund of like two hundred million dollars or something Jesus. that they can just take a million out to go. Hey, we love your idea. Hey, you know that twin thing. With the Olsen yeah, twins? Yeah, right. We want to make that. Here's a million and a half bucks. Go away. And So who can anyone apply for the slush fund or is it just for the guys who put the fund together? No, no. They, they, for, for artists they like, for young people that they think is uh, you know, fantastic or whatever. So it's a bit like that when um, the Beatles... I met with them, but I didn't have my great twins, they're actually yeah, twins idea at the time. Like that, too. that would have been very ballsy to go into to Ivan To go into Ryan Ivan Reitman. It's, so. it's a great idea for yeah. a film. It's called Twins. Yeah. No, okay, so it's great when you go in the office though because you see how many great films he's made because you know you, like even things like Stripes and stuff like oh, that yeah, you know great. you see them all along the so wall Ghostbusters yep. Stripes uh, Twins uh, what else did he do Animal House is that not that's yeah maybe yeah. yeah yeah 
There's a bunch anyway. Like I was surprised at how many of them once you, you so he would, So he's teamed up with some guys from the 80s like Joe yeah. Dante and all those kind of It's one of those great Hollywood books. You know, I can't remember what they're called but there's like these great books that were written about Hollywood in the 70s yeah, like and the 80s. Yeah, and Raging Bulls. Yeah, and okay. So there was one of those Peter, that pretty Peter much books, has it? a lot to do with yeah, Ivan Reitman and all those sort of guys and when they came through in that part of Hollywood and yeah, so they're still really interested in making... Um, you know, interesting well, work. Ghostbusters 3 is the next one on the slate. Like, that's what they've been talking about. And it looks like it's getting closer and closer. Bill Murray is the last one. Obviously, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis can't wait. No, the, Harold Ramis sleeps at the office, I think. <laughs> Harold Ramis has been there for years. And that's weird because Harold, Harold Ramis, Ramis was is, hot for a while. He's a good director. Good director. Still? Well, he directed Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is like one of the best, films, best of films of all time. Yeah. Just a stunning film. I told you about when I went and. Uh, I, I heard uh, Danny uh, Aiello, Aiello, uh, the guy who wrote uh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> Danny Aiello, no, no, what's his name? From Do the Right Thing. Oh yeah, not him. <laughs> what's what's the guy? For, what's the guy who wrote Groundhog Day? Do you want to look at her? Yes, please. Sorry, go again. Yeah, Danny Rubin was right, the guy. Right. Danny Aiello, <laughs> not Danny Aiello. His name was Danny. Famed Italian American yep. actor. Uh, Danny Boy, Scottish comedian Danny Boy <laughs> wrote the movie Groundhog Day. And I think, uh, you know, ironically, because we're speaking about Groundhog Day, I may have told you this story before. Yeah. But it, it, I, I saw him talk about how many um, days he actually thought passed in the movie Groundhog Day. Achieved, and it was like yeah. 10,000 days or 10,000 years or something like that. And it yeah. gives that movie, again, that gritty indie, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Horrible feel. So, Ramus is in. Yeah. Uh, Ackroyd's in. Yeah, Ackroyd's in. And Bill Murray. Like, Bill Murray's, you know, these. He has that enigma personality where, you know, yeah. apparently he doesn't have a mobile phone. You can't get him on the first call. Like, you've got to basically just wait for him to get back to you. I mean, how cool is that? Like, how confident in your career are you? Like, I just want to work. I just, I like to work. I yeah. say yes to everything because I like too. to work and I'm scared of not working. I'm too busy, like, sometimes. But I talked to Dave Hughes about this once and he was like, why do we say yes to all these things? And I said, because we remember when no one asked us. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're still just like, I, at some stage, someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, and this has all been a horrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll take the work when I can get it. But he's obviously, I mean, I guess it's different once you've made millions and millions of dollars. And he's mm. got, what, a couple of franchises under his belt, you know, Charlie's Angels. Oh, right. <laughs> For a minute, I was like... What, he, does he own Burger King or something? No, no, no. Like, Franchise movies. I thought you meant that he was like, he'd opened a Bunnings and it had grown into this like massive worldwide business. Well, he seems to be one of those guys, Bill Murray, who, um, like Michael Caine, is quite happy to turn up for a payday. Yeah. Like he'll be in Space Jam or something. He'll be in Charlie's Angels. And it's like, well, I like playing golf. Yeah. You know, so you, I'll let you pay me $2 million for like two weeks' work. And you know, I don't. I don't. It's not about the artistic integrity. But he's a bit Teflon time, too. Like you know, he's so good. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. I think he got to a point where he was so good that he could then start slumming it and and go back and go back and forth. I don't. Yeah, because there's a difference, isn't slumming it? Slumming it. Then... There is a point where you become so good that you add a bit of class to something, yeah, as opposed to it dragging you back down to its level. Yeah, like people go, why is he in this movie? Instead. Having him in the movie gives it a little oh. bit of an extra It's kind of funny kick up. what is that? Because you think about Mickey Rock, you know, gets his career boost mm. again after The Wrestler. But then if the next film he makes is kind of shitty, you get, it's not going to be like, oh, isn't he brightening up the shitty film? You're like, ah, oh, Mickey Rock's doing shitty films again. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Because he he's done that. so many shitty films. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it, it, Mickey Rock is like but a junkie. Bill Mickey Murray Rock's like a, a junkie. Mickey Rock's films. like a junkie, though. Yeah. Like, Mickey Rock's like a junkie who's disappointed you all these times and then finally gets clean. 
and he has a really good patch and yeah. he's got a job and you're like, this is fantastic. Yeah. But then if you ran into him two weeks later and he asks you for money and looks shit out, you'd be like, oh yeah, well, nah. that's, well, that's you, what I expected. You know the same was uh, Burt Reynolds after Boogie Nights. Everyone's like, hey, he's back. He's back. We love Burt Reynolds. Burt, we yeah. love Burt. Nothing will ever go wrong with his career yeah. again. And then two weeks later, he's doing some fucking shitty director video film. Yep. I mean, you get, Hollywood will give you that chance. Like, you know, Travolta got his chance again, ran with Man. it. But then it seems to have, now it seems to be going Well, again, he did that thing where he had a couple like he had Pulp Fiction and then after Get that he was hot and, yeah. man he was everywhere Michael. and he was eating up films and even shit and films eating up food and eating up films and eating up food but like even that, what was that one um, with uh, Christian Slater the Broken John Woo one like even that it it's so campy bad. and hilarious but he is fantastic and so watchable in that film you know yeah. and then it face was ba- off yeah face I off I love face off like that's one of the like with Con Air and face <laughs> off they are two of the greatest dumb action but you can watch those films over and over again. There's like no diminishing returns on yeah. either of those films. The, the love affair of John Woo disappeared pretty quick, didn't it? Like, yeah. remember in the late 90s, it's all about Hong Kong cinema and John yeah. Woo's the king of Hong Kong cinema and slow motion gunplay and but, bombs but, in the background. And it's like, oh, you well, he only had three shit. things. That was the th- problem with Wu. Yes. Was he, he was good at... Jumping re- sideways yeah. through the air. Two guns, two guns. Two guns at the same time. Possibly gold guns. Slow motion entrance. Uh, putting sunglasses on or yep. taking sunglasses off. Which P- puff of smoke. Yeah. He was big or on puff of smoke. Doves. Or doves. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's the other thing he did was ironic use of music where oh. he would have like ultraviolence playing while, while somewhere over the rainbow mm. would be going on in the background or something like that. Yeah. So for a while we were like, oh yeah. But Mission Impossible, I think that's where... The, the third, was it the second one or third one he did? Second one. Mm. The, what's the one with the Limp Biscuit? What was that one? No one knows why you want to hate me. <laughs> I have so little interest in that Mission Impossible franchise. The first one was good. It's okay. I cannot remember the third one and I saw it at the movies. I went to gold class and fell asleep. Yeah. Like, that's how bad I thought that last one was. And that was your boyfriend, J.J. Abrams, directed that too. Did yeah, I know. Did you feel guilty? No. No, you know what? Like, here's the thing about J.J. Abrams, and I don't want to offend my core, you know, nerd audience who knows that I love his stuff, but I think he is a great ideas man. Yeah. J.J. Abrams strikes me as a guy who comes in and has these brilliant big ideas, but I'm not sure his day-to-day execution of things is necessarily flawless. Yeah. Like, I think he's done some really good thing, jobs with things. Like, the Star Trek movie, I thought he did a really good job with, for, for, for example. Um, and, you know, obviously he's a big ideas man who comes up with lots of really cool concepts. But, like, you know, Lost, like, for example, which is the, the, uh, the big one, I mean, that show got better when he got off that show. Yeah, right. That show never would have happened without his great big idea. Yeah. But it really only became the show that I love when Damon Lindelof and Kung Koo started, like, you know, running that show. Like, yeah. it was their show. Yeah. You know? It doesn't lessen his involvement. No, not yeah. at all. It's, but it's like one of those guys that you want him to come to the first meeting yeah. where he's like, we're going to have this plane crash yeah. and they're going to be on an island. And then they're like, hey, JJ, you can well, leave now and we'll get this done. It's like George Lucas only directed the first Star Wars yeah. out of the first three films. And the other two were heaps better. Yeah. And you can't help but think, well, fuck, man. Like, there would have been... Because apparently there's a lot of directors clamoring to do the, the prequel. Yeah, definitely. And if you can't help but think, oh, man, if you got... Like, Spike Jones apparently, after Phantom Menace, said, I would love to do Attack of the Clone. Can you imagine Spike Jones did yeah. a Star Wars movie? I would have loved How it. How fucking great that would be. And that's what I mean. Like, George Lucas... Kind of moody, arcade fire, and the soundtrack is too, like, uh, Jedis have, like, a really sort of limp-wristed lightsaber battle, you know. They, and then they could do a Michelle Gondry one for the third one. Yeah, it's just to make that. it really obscure. Yeah, just paper, everyone's <laughs> firing paper, guns yeah. out of paper, cardboard. 
<laughs> but yeah, but that, I think George Lucas is another great example of that. Obviously a guy who has amazing vision yeah. and amazing ideas. Yeah. But you kind of, after a while, want George to leave the meeting so everybody else can get, get the actual the work done, done, you know? Yeah. And I feel a bit like that with J.J. Abrams. So yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, you know... No, I don't feel too bad about that. Okay. Uh, the, my worst one of those is the Aliens film that um, Joss Whedon did. Is it Alien 4? Yeah, I guess it's yeah. 4. Like, that's the one that always hurts me because I'm pretty... Um, I'm a big defender of Joss Whedon's work, even his poorer work, yeah, you, or the ones that have been... You let, like, me, you let me Serenity. Is it Serenity or what's yeah. the show? The TV show's called Serenity. Firefly. Firefly. What's and the, the Serenity was the movie. Oh, yeah, you let me Firefly. And I like, I love Buffy, love Angel. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't get See, it. See, I liked it. I liked it a lot. But, yeah. but again, like, you know, the Aliens one was the one where if I, if I had to watch all his work in a row... That would like be if, the end of the list? That would be right at the end. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I'd just be like... I'd be like, no, I'll, I'll definitely go with... I think I'd go with Angel first. Yeah. Like, I think I like Angel more than Buffy. Yeah, if it's not for the last series of Angel, I'd agree with you. Yeah. I really dug Angel, but then you can tell that show got axed halfway through a season. Yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of like the last four episodes, like, oh, shit, <laughs> we need to resolve storyline, storyline, storyline. Then the very last shot is them running into a battle happening yeah. off camera, and it's like, oh, God. But you know what the thing is? A lot of Joss Whedon shows have really weird energy because they're constantly not knowing whether they're going to get cancelled. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these seasons yeah, that are sure. kind of like almost building up to this could be the final episode yeah. and then they get some online internet reprieve so they have to kind of dial back yeah, everything yeah, yeah, so right. they can start the next <laughs> season again. So they do have weird sort of, you know, Ends energies in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not natural. Um, okay, uh, uh, we should yeah. uh, go with this. Yeah. This is what we actually were going to talk about today, about 40 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hope you liked the intro. Yeah. Uh, now let's get to the show. Uh, the Tofop drinking game. Now there's been a lot of on our Facebook page. Um, uh, you can follow the links from our website, uh, tofop.com, or you can just you know type in Tofop on Facebook uh, and find the Facebook page and give us any feedback on the show you like. But uh, one of the things that um, people have been adding to a lot is the Tofop drinking game, and we haven't talked about this for a few months. No. So uh, the initial rules, and I'll run you then through some of the new Addition, uh, additional yeah. ones, and you can perhaps tell me because I think maybe there's too many. Yeah, and, here. The, and these and these have been um, uh, these are from you guys, by the way. This is not rules we've invented. This is no. All come they, from these you guys. are all completely come up suggested by, by the listenership of Tofu. Yeah, um, and and perhaps we could get it down to say like about ten or twelve rules, and so you can tell me which ones you love and which ones you okay. don't love, because I don't want people to pass out fifteen minutes into every episode. <laughs> I feel like well, we need to on, moderate all the, all it a bit. Rules should, have got to count, don't they? All of them? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, definitely. People are going to get too drunk. Are you saying that we couldn't do an episode and only do one or two of each of these things? You think we're going to do multiple? Well, here we go, Charlie. I will read through them and you can tell me, even just from today's okay. episode, yeah. how many times you would have had to drink, just okay. from memory of what right, we talked know, about we, we so far. We should actually experiment. I will put this empty bottle of water to my lips yeah. every time I should drink. And okay. That way, and that way, actually, you know what? I'll put, give me two. I'm going to fill with water. Oh. And that way, we'll know how much I drank. This is a 750 ml. Let's say it's vodka in here. Yeah, okay. So say you've got a bottle of vodka, uh, which is what we recommend. <laughs> okay. So I just I got, went and got a bottle of water. Yeah, Vodka O. They're not a sponsor of the show, uh, but it is the best vodka on the market. It's, uh, it's organic. I drink it before every show and during my shows. Okay, so this is 500 mils of vodka. Yeah, okay. I'm going to do a shot for every time. Every time. In this episode, episode yeah. if one of these things has already we'll happened. work out how much vodka I've Yeah, drunk. exactly. All right. Okay. Uh, the rules of the Tofop drinking game. Now, Sarah Henderson and her friend were the first two people who came up with this. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just run through the, uh, the first few and then we'll go on. Okay, one, a shot for every mention of time travel. Have we mentioned time travel today? 
We, we may have. Uh, Groundhog Day, doesn't, does that quite count? Count as time travel? I don't think we have had any fictional time travel scenario okay. in today. Yeah. I'm okay. going to let you go because okay. that normally would come up. Two cocks or butt sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the problem is? We talk about it so much. I'm having a really hard time delineating. Uh, cocks or butt sex? I don't yeah. think we did. All right. Uh, take a shot for how crap the podcast is. We started by talking about, uh, this may have been just off air before we started, but we've broken the headphones, (laughs) so that's a shot. That's definitely a shot. Uh, Okay, four for what got us onto that, or we've talked about this before, Mm -hmm. or what are we talking about? All those three (laughs) have definitely been into that. I've just done three shots of vodka. (laughs) Okay, this one will probably come up later. Charlie saying, let's wind this up. Uh, six, making the sound better, the sound being bad, Charlie doing the technical stuff but being kind of crap at it. Well, we just talked about it then, so does it count? Uh, no, I'm going to let you not drink on that okay, one. Okay, thanks. All right. Every time Charlie has to have sex with someone to save the world. <laughs> that hasn't happened this episode. <laughs> no, we have talked about having to save the world. but Yeah, we uh, did talk about the apocalypse. Uh, shot every time you pay out on Charlie for having small hands or being small of stature. When have you done the smallest stature? You've never called me shorty or anything. I'm no. not short. I've just got these off the, the Facebook page, man. I, I didn't make them up. Yeah. Uh, every time either Will or Charlie say, yeah, totally, or you're dead, yeah, oh. definitely. <laughs> um, every time you make a fictional movie in which Adam Sandler plays the main role. <laughs> oh, I really missed that with the yeah, twins. That would, totally. been, that would have been a perfect Adam Sandler me- film. You did mention Adam Sandler. You did mention Adam Sandler. Does that count? No. Okay. Uh, when podcasting from Charlie's place, you hear the dog come into the room. Okay, we're not in my place today. Uh, drink every time masturbation is mentioned. I don't think, we, no, no, I don't think we've got I masturbation free really today. It's not too bad. Drink every time you mention Kathy Bates. A drink every time Will mentions <laughs> Joseph Fritzel or some kind of basement <laughs> rape scenario. Oh, I did have you in a basement before too. Oh, oh, and we had rape. When? In oh, the, the gang, gang rape. rape. That, does that count? I don't know. Well, hang on. What do you say? Fritzel or... Fritzel or a basement gang- rape scenario. Or gang rape that counts. Oh, yeah. I think that probably counts. Um, a drink for every poorly explained scientific fact. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I seem to remember me explaining something poorly. Okay. Uh, at the mention of Scientologists, skull of beer. Well, we talked about John Travolta. <laughs> or does it have to be Scientologist specific? No, no. I think that's, that, mm. that, that counts. Uh, anytime Will questions how a scenario could possibly come about. <laughs> we haven't done any hypotheticals today. If Will or Charlie present something as fact, but a three-second Google disproves. <laughs> okay, I'll let you oh, Yeah, Danny well, Aiello writing <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> any mention of the Bulldogs by Will. I mentioned that when I was Batman. And drink if he complains how shit they are. <laughs> That's another drink. Um, take a drink every time Will talks about being gay. No. <laughs> When you- <laughs> oh, sorry, going go, not being go. I've, I've, I've misread that. That's, that's, a, yeah, that's a bit of a Freudian slip, isn't it? Well, yeah. uh, drink anytime Will goes on a rant so emotionally specific that Charlie has to spend four to five <laughs> questions unpicking the logic. <laughs> and a shot for every time a mention of a superpower. <laughs> that would have been a big episode for this one. Well, I just did. Yeah. I just shot, shot at 500 mils of vodka. Yeah. According to the rules of the game. Is that irresponsible? Oh, well, I think it is. Res- drink responsibly. Yeah, that's, what that's all saying. you have to do. Well, yeah, it's just a drinking game. You just have to go, drink responsibly. Yeah, is that all you have to do? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't know if you've seen those beer ads on TV or like the alcohol ads on TV, oh, but yeah, always, down in the bottom corner, they've always got, yeah, drink, drink responsibly. responsibly. They show like the greatest party of yeah. all time. And it's like, you could be here, but just yeah. make sure you don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. If you drink booze, girls will want to have sex with you and your life will be more exciting than successful. Drink responsibly. Yeah. The, yeah, the fact, look, no, the fact of the matter is, 
if you want people to like you, you have to get drunk. No, actually, if you want to think people like you, yeah. you have to get drunk. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I think that's a fair thing to say to people is that getting drunk doesn't necessarily make you more likeable. No. It just makes you think You're that you likeable. are more likeable. Yeah. Now, definitely last night, I actually... Because we had a couple of drinks after your show last night and uh, I seem to remember being really witty and charming. And then when I got home, or when I woke up this morning, I found a pen-drawn cock on my forearm. <laughs> but we were at like a classy cocktail bar. I don't, I couldn't remember like how... Was there a happened. tail on the other? And you maybe you were just going, cocktail. Ah, uh, You know, it no. was like a... I should have done that. That would have yeah. been actually quite cool. Do you think anyone's ever done that? Gone up to the barmaid at Jim Palace and gone, could I have a cock? Tail. Or you could, like, you could get a... That could be... Oh, tattoos. That's right. Prison tattoos. Cocktail. cocktail. Mate, I don't tail cock. Yeah. Cocktail. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. There's nothing I could really do. Imagine right. if you went to prison and that was like, on one hand, you got cock and the other one, you've got tail. <laughs> I think... Actually, that would be no, quite good in say, prison. It's quite a prison. That is an excellent prison, prison there. What do you <laughs> want to be today? Cock or tail? <laughs> that's, that's actually... Is that a sh- I'm sure there's, is there a prison rape uh, category in the drinking game? No, there wasn't actually. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Considering that's there. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, so yeah, I, I think that would be good things to have on your. I, I don't, I don't know that. Plus, when you get out of prison, you would or be able to use it in a, you know, in a just in a social context. You'd have to. Be I'd the like most a cocktail. Dedicated, dedica- oh, most dedicated barman in the world. Yeah, I make cocktail. <laughs> or you just, or you just love the movie cocktail. The worst would be though if you went and got those tattoos yeah. cocktail, yeah. and then you lost your arm in an accident, and it was the arm that had tail written on your right. face, so you just had one hand and said cock on it. I got to be honest with you. If you lost your arm in an accident. I reckon the fact that your arm had had the word tail written on it would be low down on the priorities. No, I'm saying the hand you've got left says cock. Yeah, but you've also lost your arm, (laughs) is my point. Like, of the two things, the fact that I now have one arm that says cock, I'd be wrapped that I have that arm. Because I don't have but another arm. Only, I look, I, granted, losing the arm is probably the greater tragedy. Can't juggle anymore. You still have but the only arm you have as mm. cock. Like, if you have two arms... and you've I'm, I'm grateful to have that arm. Really? Yeah. It says cock. Yeah. When you say, I wish I'd lost it's the one... It's now doubled in I importance. Would rather have lost the, I'd rather have lost the one that said cock than oh. the one that said tail. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, here you go then. <laughs> what, what if... Yeah. What, so you're right-handed, right? Left-handed. Left. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Devil. That's right. The devil. Um, <laughs> you're left-handed, yeah. right? So your left hand has cock written on it, and your right hand has tail, tail, right? Yeah. So you can lose your preferred hand, yeah. the hand that you do most stuff with, and would be most handy, if you will, yeah. to keep. Or, but but I keep. But it, it has to have cock, cock on it. Yeah. Right. Um, so do you keep the cock hand? Or the I... hand that is most often on your cock. Well, look, no, in those circumstances, I would keep my preferred hand and just change the tattoo mm. to rock. Yeah, I'd get away with that, wouldn't it? Rock. <laughs> well, you could make a C into an R because all you have to do is put the line down the side yeah, and right. then and make the, the yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. that's it'd fine. Be the most pretentious fucking knuckle tattoo. Rock, rock. Still better than cock. Or the, I could just get the tattooed mm. on the back of my hand, so it's like the rock. Yeah, you like his films, Fast Five. Or it'd just be like if you, you'd be really intimidating at rock, paper, scissors. Because when you did rock, <laughs> yeah. they'd actually be able to see the word rock. 
And you can actually get, this is what you would do, is get rock, rock. on your fingers, on your palm you get paper, paper. and in between your fingers you can scissors. get scissors. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That will be, because you know how the big hipster thing at the moment yeah. is to get the... The moustache. The moustache. Yeah. The neck, hips, neck, neck hipster. Oh, the say. next hipster. Next hipster thing is going to be the fucking rock, paper, scissors. You're a genius. You're that, on fire. That man. is actually a pretty good Twins, idea. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Fuck, man. That would be a cool cat tattoo. I think it is actually pretty cool. You should get yeah. it done. Imagine if somebody do got... It? Rock, would you do it? Paper, scissors. I reckon you should go get it done. If I was going to get a hand tattoo, that's what I get. Having said that, yeah, it's probably like two years down the track, you're probably going to get sick of it. Don't you think? Well, no, I would only get sick of it if, like, the mustache one. Other people started getting it. Oh, yeah. Like, because I think the first person who had the mustache one, that's a cool thing. And that's always a cool thing. It is pretty cool. But, you know, if I. go to someone and go, rock, paper, rock, paper, scissors. That's fucking cool, man. Yeah, it's totally cool. Uh, There's a hairdresser in LA that I used to go and see who had scissors, like antique scissors tattooed onto his fingers. Oh, yeah, cool. Nice. In a scissor motion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to stop being a hairdresser. (laughs) (laughs) We start clipping antique scissors. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to commit to an idea. Yeah. You know. But it's always, but it's, I do wonder about like those footy teams like uh, who get the premiership tattoos. Like, you know, uh, if you look at the 90s, is it the 96 um, Kangaroos team? Like, they got the lamest fucking trading card, cartoony tattoos. Like, you know, they look like tiny little teddy bears of a kangaroo wearing a, a jumper on their bum or their leg or their back or something. It's just like, yeah. Can you stylize it? Like, if we're all going to get tattoos, can't we, like, can I stylize mine and make it a bit more personal to me? Do I have to get the fucking generic WEG poster kangaroo? Or is, that, you, is that not in the spirit? Of it's the, not in the spirit. Because you're not, we're a team. you're not getting a fashion item. Yeah. You're getting a memento of, you know, this time that you spent together. And I think that no matter how badly that tattoo dates, it's still a reminder of would that you, time. Would you, would you, if the Bulldogs won the Premiership this year, would you get a tattoo of... If I was playing, not just as a fan. No, it doesn't matter. That, that seems weird. No, oh no, it a means, lot of fans get. It means a lot to me. Emblems. But I don't. I was Molly, Molly has a Saints tattoo. Yeah, but I wasn't any. I'm not a fucking nutbag. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like I support my team, but I don't believe that I am part of the team. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. Like my, I, I purely know that my role in it is I, I financially support the club as a member and like I kick in a little bit and I'll do their functions for cheap or whatever. Like, so I do feel like I contribute in some way, yeah. but I'm really a supporter. You're not jumping the fence and trying to get into the photo. Yeah, I'm not like, hey guys, great victory for us. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You think, don't you never refer to them as us? Oh, I, I say we as in the Bulldogs, but yeah. I never like think not that like, we played well today. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we have a good one? Was you know, stretching after the game and all that kind of shit. I've never, because I get invited to go down the rooms and stuff occasionally, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And even that, I feel like, yeah. what am I going to do? Have I ever told you my story about going down to the rooms after a Saints game? Uh, isn't this suppressed because of the court case? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it was almost like that. I, uh, it was about five years ago. And I was in one of these uh, corporate boxes mm. and one of the player managers up there, not a flying start uh, player manager, yeah, right. just to clear okay. that, and clear that yeah. up. Anyway, he um, said, uh, do you want to go down to this, the rooms after the game? And I was like, fuck yeah, why not? I haven't been down to the rooms because he had a bunch of Saints players who were injured up in the, in the box. So they, he said, oh, you know, take Charlie down. And he's gone, oh, this is my son. Can you take him down as well? I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So I've gone down with his son. How old's a kid? The kid knows the players. How so, old's a kid? Like six. And he knows, but he, like they're obviously, you know, the manager and the players, like in the sun, they all know each other. It's like, you know, there's Uncle Maddie McGuire. But how well does he know you? 
Uh, not the, oh. To send you down there with his kid? No, but it's not just me. I'm going down with the players. The players and me and the kid are going down. And oh, I, they're all going down together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, sorry. Trips. And I assume the dad's going to come down to me and say that. Yes. Like, so do you want to go down with the players? Hey, mm. can you take my son? And okay. blah, blah. Yeah. So we go down to the rooms, and the first thing you notice when you walk in is it's fucking deathly silent, you know. And they've got this little... Uh, it was been, it'd been a win, but it was really quiet. And they had all the like hardcore Saints fans, cheer squad, whatever, in this little, herded into this little area behind this roped-off bit. And all the players are just like sort of stretching and, you know, doing the, taking the tape off their ankles and shit. So we get let in. And after like about two minutes, I'm like, I'm just watching a bunch of young guys like stretch down and stretch. Mm. And this is a bit weird. So this little kid who I just met, I said to him, hey, mate, you want to go back up and see your dad? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, no, come on, man, let's go. And I go to take his hand and he yanks it away and starts to get a bit teary. And I'm oh, like, no. oh, shit. If this you, kid... You've now tried to grab a child's hand and he's crying. And if this kid bursts into tears yeah. and they go over and they say, who's this man? He'll go, I don't know, he just brought me down here. So oh, I got held no. hostage and I had to yeah. fucking stay in the change rooms with this kid because they start bringing around the lollies as well after the game. The players get Oh, because, yeah, they got to... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they start bringing around. So the kid's not going to leave now. No. So I am down there and i got Gemma fucking calling me saying, where are you? I'm like, well, I'm down mm. in the change rooms. I have to be really quiet because everyone's really quiet. And this kid won't fucking leave and I feel like I'm, someone's going to attack me for being a pedophile. And at any stage so in the end I had to stay down there pretty much till everyone left because this kid was just going around and getting more and more lollies until finally his fucking dad his finally his dad comes down and goes hey what are you guys doing down here and it's like yeah exactly <laughs> just let your fucking son go downstairs with a stranger and half an hour later he decided to come down and find out where he is yeah it was fucked oh man so it's the only time I think I've ever been taken hostage by a six year old yeah. yeah, definitely the only time. Yeah, definitely the only time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's wind this up. All right. If you too want to drink almost mm. 500 mils of vodka, just mm. you can follow our drinking game. And the rules are on our Facebook page. If is... you want to add anything to the rules, you can do that there as well. Definitely. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>